loyal, you are called into the base to assist with one of the new prisoners. You are escorted into the brig. Most of the cells here are actually fairly humane, all things considered. The peacekeepers are required to give prisoners of war privacy, comfortable beds, and meals identical to those received by soldiers. This is, of course, in theory. While some of those cells are occupied, the pilot you captured, the leader, is not there. She's instead tucked farther back into the facility, in a place that the soldiers call the Grey Brig. As you are escorted back, the soldier beside you briefs you. This one's giving us trouble. None of our usual techniques are producing any viable data. We're starting to doubt our leads. Since you've been recently activated, one of our guys suggested having you help us out since you can uh, do that thing with lying, you know? Yes, soldier. I will do my best to assist. That's great. Kind of weird, though. But anything that works for the cause. It's normal for my species. Eventually, you arrive at the cell, a claustrophobic extruded rock container containing little in the ways of comforts. The teenage girl is strapped to a metal chair with a variety of IVs poking out of her arm. Her broken legs are in a couple of makeshift splints. She's clearly not received any proper medical attention. Her jaw is slack, no doubt a side effect of the interrogation cocktail she's being injected with. The soldier looks at her in contempt and says, All right, buddy, we're going to go through some questions again. If we're happy with what you tell us, we might just let you go, okay? And the girl stares blankly at you, loyal, and you feel an inch in your mind. A vague, empathetic connection, weak but present. She's clearly in pain, and something deep within her mind screams out, but is muffled by the drugs. I float into the room. I don't get too close to her, but I position myself adjacent to, or as soon as I, or like as adjacent as I can in the small confines of this space, and give a little dolphin nod to the soldier to indicate that I am ready. The soldier begins the interrogation. Is your name Maze Mourner? She says weakly, yes. She's telling the truth. Are you a member of the Clusterist Resistance on this planet? Yes. She's telling the truth. Where is your leader located? I don't know. That wasn't the truth. Do you know where any of the remaining virtues are located? No. That wasn't the truth. Is the leader of your resistance cell located in the East City, the Art District? No. That wasn't the truth. Provided we gave you your freedom, would you attempt to harm the peacekeepers or any individuals again? No. That wasn't the truth. The soldier looks at you again and just, like, looks back at the prisoner and he says, You're sure about this? To the best of my ability. He nods. And he speaks into his radio. Yeah, it's her. Get the dock. Bring the drill. And with that, he excuses you. But as you begin to leave, a voice echoes its way into your mind and says, Wait. Please, they'll, they'll kill me. You have to do something. And with that voice, there are feelings of fear, resentment, confusion. I stop where I am. What is the soldier doing right now? He's uh, just like looking at you. Like, why are you stopped? Do I know this guy's name? Yeah, his name is Sergeant Wellspring. Loyal says, Sergeant Wellspring, could I have a moment alone with the prisoner? Uh, you sure? Yes. Okay. Do what you gotta do. And the sergeant walks out and down the hall. Is she still trying to talk to me? She's waiting for your response. I turn to her, and I don't think she would recognize this, but as far as dolphin body language goes, Loyal is looking highly uncomfortable. When 
a dolphin is upset, he will adopt what is called S-pose, where his back is arched, his fins are held rigid in his tank, and he's fixing the prisoner with a hard look. And in their psychic connection, he says to her, Child, I must say this quickly, but you must know it as the truth. Dolphin kind are not naturally gifted liars. This I had to learn from man. I am sorry for your pain. I did not come here to kill children. I hoped to not kill at all. But it was a naive hope of a naive species who had only seen man's wars in history holograms. I will do what I can to spare your life, but know this. If you tell them any of this, I will mark it as a lie, and they will believe me. Do you understand? She nods. He nods back at her and turns to go back out into the hall where the soldier is, but before doing so, stops, and she hears a couple of echolocation clicks and whistles through his tank that are not being translated, and some images appear on his tank surface, some UI, and if she can make out the words, there are some settings there that say emotional modulator, emotional tone modulator, and there's a little like toggle that gets turned off, and then all of the UI images disappear. The soldier just lets you leave, thanks you for your, your work, and you see walking down the hall opposite the way you're going is someone in a lab jacket with a strange device that looks vaguely like a drill, but has like all these weird tendrils on it, which presumably they're going to use on the prisoner. This is an interrogation device. It could kill her, but it probably won't. Probably. I position my very large exopod in front of them and ask them to stop. What is it? The doctor says. I think I may have an alternate way of getting information from the prisoner. Okay, and that is? I need to speak with her one-on-one -on -one in a better cell environment. You're being serious. Yes, this is what I was brought here to do to aid in the war efforts. I can tell when the prisoner is lying, and I am a skilled empath. I am able to manipulate the emotions of prisoners to get information without the use of... And you can see him eyeing the device, whatever that is. How long do you need exactly? Loyal pauses for a moment. I would need enough time to determine if it would be possible, but it wouldn't take long. We're on a very tight schedule. We could probably give you a week. A week will be more than enough time. Thank you. And with that, you stick around for a little bit, and eventually she is wheeled out of that gray brig cell, and you see that she's wheeled into one of the more cushy non-war crime cells, and you'll have to come back and visit her, find out what else she has to say. Geist, where do you spend your downtime, if you have any? Um, I feel like Geist, since his accident has become a bit of a workaholic, in the sense that when he's not on mission, he spends a lot of time uh, with his frame anyways, or in simulations, or just kind of uh, sitting in his shitty little apartment, maybe staring at the wall. Uh, I feel like he's going to have to get a hobby at some point, but right now he's kind of just finding his place in the world. He's, he lives a very dismal life. <laughs> That's fair enough. You receive a message from Director Germain on, I don't know if you have a phone or if people have phones in the future, but on whatever device you receive messages on, and it says, Garrett, report to 8265 Vitruvian Avenue at 2100 hours, plain clothes. And that is the whole message. <laughs> 
is it kind of obvious? Does it seem like a joke, like a like soldier? I'm summoning you for like drinks with the boys, or is it like? Does it seem like something that would feasibly be like a real mission assignment I would receive? It's difficult to tell because I, I mean, how much do you talk? Have you talked to Kilo since you woke? Because I mean, you served together like six years ago. Have you really kept up with him at all since you got out of your coma? Uh, I feel like Geist probably would have at the very least tried to leverage him as a contact to get himself put back into active service when that was still something that he was kind of struggling to do. Um, but I feel like he probably hasn't had too much time for uh, he hasn't had really much time to like kind of like just catch up or like do something casual. Does it have Kilo's name on it at all? Or is it just like completely just like this is a mission directive? It's 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 from his personal phone. I would say. Okay. And I okay. I mean, if you go one step further and you basically look up the address, it's a nightclub. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, yeah, so Geist, um, he puts his, his nice arms on. Like, he, he gets the, the good limbs, the ones that are a little bit less bare metal. Um, I guess it's kind of probably the equivalent of, like, a, a dress uniform. It's his nicer but less functional prosthetics. Um, and then just kind of at a loss for what to do exactly he like looks into his wardrobe of old clothes that probably got shipped from someplace and he puts on just like a pair of jeans and like an old bomber jacket and looks at himself in the mirror and uh tries not to think too hard about the fact that he still kind of looks like a ghoulish robot freak he kind of pushes those thoughts out of his mind and uh leaves yeah so the address is about 15 minutes from you on foot uh, it's in the technology district of the central city. The pilots and soldiers used to get transports, like escorts, anywhere they went. But with the budget cuts and with the situation being perceived as mostly stable, you're kind of just on your own, either to hail a cab or just walk there. And at this time of night, it might be difficult to get a cab. Uh, Yeah, I feel like guys probably walks. I mean, like he can, I feel like he can walk pretty fast. It's one of the... Uh advantages of an augmented body so he's just going to uh if it's he's might like half-heartedly try to wave a cab down but like how how far is it on foot like is it in a reasonable 15 amount minutes. of time oh yeah no he'll definitely walk Easy. it then the so the city at night is pretty strange the peacekeepers have erected these huge floodlights which make patches of the city street brighter than they would be during the day and all the places where the floodlights don't reach seem even darker than before and it probably does cross your mind that, like, not even a month ago, people were, like, shooting each other on these streets. And it was directly after the takeover, it was very violent here. Is Geist the kind of person to, to carry? I was actually just going to ask, uh, what, like, what are the laws like, if there are any? Like, I have the peacekeepers put down, like, fairly strict carry, open carry laws to try and sort of fight the insurgency? Not for the soldiers. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> you well, I guess whatever you want. Guys probably has some identification. But yeah, he's just got like a like a handgun, like openly carried in like a probably just a little like like a quick draw, like one of those like magnetic holsters yeah. that you can just like pop the gun right out the front. So yeah, he's just got like a it's a fairly bog standard like a semi-automatic pistol that he just carries. Great. Uh, the street's pretty quiet. Anyone you see on the street gives you a pretty wide berth, especially when they see your piece. Um, <laughs> uh, especially you're in plain clothes, so it's not even particularly sure that you're even a soldier. So they're just like, oh, that's kind of the gun. I'm crossing the street. 
Um, but you arrive at 8265 Etruvian Avenue, uh, about 15 minutes of walking. The address is in between these two high rises on this really small plot of land. It's like park, like a small parking lot size establishment. It's lit up with all these multicolored lights and there's a pounding bass coming from inside. There's some people milling about, you know, outside smoking space cigarettes and all that. Um, <laughs> and there's a large neon sign above them, which blinks out the name of the establishment, which is Culture Plague. Yeah, uh, guys still take a look at the place and kind of, uh, he, he feels like uneasy about it and he's probably a, a little bit uh, embarrassed at how uneasy he feels because he was just like pretty recently flying around at like 130 miles per hour throwing people into buildings but he kind of just takes a deep breath kind of internally curses himself for being such a coward and then but walks right in the front door the interior of culture plague is very lively it seems you found a place in the city which has escaped the oppressive atmosphere of the post-occupation streets there are some faces you recognize here, military personnel as well as plenty of civilians and unknowns. And occupying a corner booth is Kilo Germain, who is halfway through a glass of some opaque gray liquor, and he waves at you. Cool, I'll uh, uh, stomp my way over and uh, kind of sit down opposite him and be like, uh, how, how have you been? It's uh, been a while since we've been able to just talk. I was going to ask you the same thing, and uh, he kind of like looks at his drink. He's like, uh, shit, when, when did we last talk? Fucking, I mean, besides your transfer request, which unfortunately I had to deny twice before uh, things worked out. <clears throat> I, I don't know, a, a long time. He kind of like looks back down at his drink. He, he waves over a waiter who comes up and asks you what you'd like to drink. Uh, Geist thinks for a moment. It's not something that he, uh, it's not something that he really, he hasn't really fallen into vice uh, to kind of like deal with all of his, the problems that have come up from his peculiar condition. But he thinks about it and he orders a, um, I guess probably the equivalent of like a liquor cocktail that's not too sweet. Maybe something like an old fashioned, whatever that is entails in this setting. A new fashion. Um, a new fashioned, yeah. A new fashioned with a twist. That was what he would always drink back when he was cutting loose with the, <laughs> with the, um, Oh, what are they called? The Moon Devils. Moon Devils. Yeah. Moon Devils. I got it right. Right in one. Yeah. Uh, he was always cut loose with them. So yeah, he he orders one of those. Perfect. Eventually, when you order your drink, Kilo kind of looks at you and is like, "You can still drink with uh, any kind of gestures at your your face." Uh, I mean, sorta. It guys uh, fumbles in the the pocket of his bomber jacket and pulls out a um. It's like a, a thick kind of glass syringe with a uh, a plunger on the back of it but it's like it's not like a it's like a blunt tip needle rather than a sharp one and he's like i have uh i mean it's not exactly the same it has to go uh through the implants but it does do its level best to simulate taste damn well, i'm glad you can still drink at least well uh, i'm not supposed to uh my doctor would be pissed if she knew uh dr grace listen if she gives you any trouble just tell her uh, she reports to me still, and I give you <laughs> express permission to get sloshed whenever you want, okay? Thank you, sir. Uh, you know, I just want to say, I uh, I saw some footage of your operation, and I don't think I've been that excited in a while. Uh, you still got it, man. Uh, I don't think I have either, sir. It's just good to be, good to be back, back, back in it. I, uh, I'm as surprised as you are. I almost feel bad 
I didn't get to choose where you got assigned. That was kind of uh, unfortunately not in the cards. But I feel bad putting, you know, a bunch of random clusterists just doing some basic city insurgency shit up against the moon devil. I mean, man, you, when you fucking threw that guy, holy shit. I pissed my pants. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I still, I mean, it's taken some getting used to. I'm not as fast as I was. I mean, you know, like physically behind the wheel, the rig they got me flying now, it's, it's really a, a piece of art. Uh, I've never been anything like that. I'm told that, uh, because of the modifications they've made to my implants, my body can withstand G-forces that would uh, put a baseline pilot out of commission. Just trying to make the best of it. He nods and, like, swirls his drink some more and he says, uh, Listen, I, I should have reached out more. You know, you've been awake for a while. And I got promoted to director, got pulled out of the field. Uh, I haven't had time really for myself or my kids, but I, you know, I regret it. I feel like uh, we all kind of thought you were dead. And so when I. you woke up, I don't know if anyone could have believed it. It was just like a shock. Like all the other moon devils are all either dead or off world. They're all new kids now. It's just, it's just fucking me. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what command thinks it is that they've accomplished here, but it's not done. He nods, just like looks around the bar. It feels a little awkward. I forgot to tell you when you were in your coma. The paper pushers and admin pulled your call sign and gave it to some random kid back in the reserve fleet. Can you believe that? Oh, shit. They got somebody else flying as Jester now. Yep. We were going to give you that call sign back, but when I uh, looked at it, I had to pull up a new one out of my ass. Uh, I mean, do you like the new one? Does Geist work for you? Yeah. I uh, don't seem to have much to joke about these days. Uh, He kind of gives like a nervous chuckle. (laughs) <laughs> at this point, I feel like the drink he ordered arrived and he kind of just, uh, he like screws the back off of the plunger syringe and kind of like clumsily pours the drink into it, maybe even while the waiter's still there and then screws the cap back on and he uh, lifts up his shirt that he's wearing under his jacket and there's like a series of like little circular metal ports on like the uh, the augmented metal in his torso and he just jabs it in and uh, depresses the plunger and injects himself with the the beverage. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's just not the same. <laughs> but yeah. see, like he laughs, but there's not a lot of humor in it. Yeah, the the night kind of passes by. I think there's a lot of awkward back and forth, some war stories. I mean, how is that for Geist? Like, I don't think Geist has probably really socialized since him being put in a coma. Yeah, it's it's definitely weird and he he tries his best, but um he keeps like fumbling social cues or like he finds himself kind of like staring off into space, but he does his best to keep with it. And he would probably actually kind of try because like he Kilo wasn't promoted to like a command position when he when Geist was still in active service. Right. Was it something that happened after it was after when you were in a coma? Yeah. So he probably would have asked about how the hell that happened with like a kind of like a joking tone of like, how how did a joker like you get such a command position like who'd you have to who'd you have to kill or whatever you know like but he would be curious to kind of find out how the hell he got it so he says well um to tell you the truth everyone else refused to take the position because uh they kind of saw the writing on the wall about this conflict that if you stepped up 
everyone was going to hate you. If you stepped up, you weren't going to get paid well. If you stepped up, you would probably get car bombed or something. And so they tapped me on the shoulder and they said, hey, you got to do this. Like, you have the experience. You can direct. And I was, I told them, there's no fucking way I can do that. I'm just a fucking pilot. But they pushed for it. And, you know, they promised me some things. Promised me some things for my family. And, you know, they've come through on some of those promises. And I'm hoping they'll come through on the rest of them. I'm not really at liberty to talk about it too much. But, uh, you know, he kind of shrugs and orders another glass. <laughs> As the night is kind of winding down to a close... Um, and after Geist has injected himself with a couple more cocktails, they'll be at some point there's like a lull in the conversation. It'll be like, have, uh, have they seen him around Intel? I mean, have they, do they know where he is? Kilo kind of grimaces, says, listen, I don't know if it is going to be good for you to talk about this. Probably right. But yes, he's still around. He's got fancy new frame, some crazy shit. We haven't seen before. Uh, we, we had him cornered once. And he's fucking vanished into thin air. And that's not even hyperbole. Quite literally vanished. Guy kind of sits thoughtfully for a moment, but doesn't say anything else. But I want to fucking know. How are some clusterists making frames in their backyard out of construction mechs? How are they pulling this shit off? I was thinking the same thing. I was hoping you'd be the one to know. The... <laughs> That frame that we cornered, the one that was piloted by a damn child, that's that's more than just some repurposed farm equipment. It was doing something to the area around it. I mean, I don't know, you've probably seen the reports. That was way messier than it needed to be and was piloted by a fucking 14-year-old girl. Yeah. I mean, you know how the clusterists operate, right? You know how they share information? Kinda. I never really understood it that well. They're like insects. They have some fucked up psychic traditions. They can offload whatever biases and experience they want onto their young. And that's how you get fucking eight-year-olds doing backflips in the street with all the hatred and imagined oppression of two generations of clusterists. It's a messy fucking situation. Yeah, well, I don't think that kid's going to be doing backflips anytime soon. He laughs. He says, yeah, I saw I was going to say, how did I get stationed with him? The gearhead, I mean, the fucking computer program. Why him? We thought you'd be able to keep him in line. What exactly are these things capable of? Listen, I'm not supposed to be talking about this, but you're my friend. That, uh, he wants to be called Joseph. Fucked up, right? Yeah. He's been here for a few years. The uh, Black Ops was doing work with him. They would send him out, wipe some clusters off the face of the earth, come back, go to sleep. That's all he's done for the last three years. Emergent Personalities Division came to me and they said, hey, you need a pilot? We have a pilot. Put him in this frame and see what he can do. If he gives you any trouble, we'll blow him. But if I'm to judge by the footage and how he took out that girl, seems like it's paying off so far. What do you think? Seems steady. I, uh, I'll keep an eye on him. I mean, I'll do my best to make sure he doesn't get out of line. I don't know what the hell they think they're hoping to accomplish here, but I guess we need everybody in a frame we can get. You know, and he, uh, another bottle comes, and as it does, it's like 2am at this point, I want to say. The bar is still pretty lively, and 
as your new bottle of alcohol comes, a group of five people walk up to the table. And one of them, who's like a young man, grabs the bottle off your table and takes a swig right out of it. And he points at Kilo and he says, I've seen you on the TV. You're some uh, important keeper, right? And Kilo kind of stares blankly at the kid and shrugs, which prompts him to turn his attention to you, Geist. And he says, what about you, Gimp? You a keeper too? Step on a landmine while you were pillaging? Something like that. Geist is just staring at him. He's talk when he speaks, it's like with a very flat affect, just kind of deadpan. But he's got whole like his demeanor has changed. He's now very, very uh, stiff. And he's just kind of staring at him with a slight furrow to his brow. Real nice augments, real uh, top of the line stuff. You give him in a scrapyard and he reaches out and grabs your arm. I, as he goes to reach out, can I just grab his wrist and like twist it, not break it, but just like put a little pressure to it? Yeah. Uh, the kid winces a little bit and he says, trying to start something? Huh? Asshole? I'm just going to stare at him. I'm not going to say anything, but I still got his, I still have his wrist and I'm still putting just a little bit more pressure to it. And he just says, look, there's two ways this can go. You just go back, you enjoy your night, and you pretend like this never happened. What do you say? Is that a command? I guess it kind of is <laughs> a command. I mean, it can be whatever you want it to be. Ooh, I got a five. Partial success, which means he he backs off. He 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 looked at you and he says, "Whatever." He pulls back. Um, you see like the glistening of a knife and tucked in his waistband, but he looks down at your your pistol as well, and kind of understands that there's only one way this would have gone. Um, <laughs> but you know, he kind of sticks you with a glare and Kilo too, and he just says, "I'll see you around." He just backs out into the crowd. Guy sits back down. Where the fuck do they find these rookies? Kilo shrugs and says, I was kind of hoping we'd get to fight them. But uh, no. probably wouldn't be good for either of us. Broken his little fucking arm like plywood if I wanted to. I think the night winds down. There's no more action after that. <laughs> you don't get jumped. But somewhere out there is a, another person who knows your face. Joseph, you are in one of the Peacekeeper base's common areas, a small rec room that's reserved for pilots. It's late, the room is empty, and you're knelt down under this advanced hologram chess table, a lovingly crafted device which depicts each piece as a pilot's frame, with one side being the Soul Union Peacekeepers and the other's Clusterists. What are you doing to this game right now, Joseph? I'm trying to see if I can make one of the sides... I'm going to assume the Clusterists sacrifice their king right away so the game can end early. So as you work on this, you know, I imagine you are kind of like knelt down next to this table, like really in the innards of it. Mm. You hear a light switch turn on and you see the lights come on and into the room walks a somewhat familiar figure, a member of your squad support staff who is a young engineer and hangar assistant who the team calls Gopher. You've seen him around helping with maintenance work. He may even have brought you some spare parts when you repaired your frame after the last mission. But he doesn't see you. He's carrying a crate full of what appears to be soft drinks and alcoholic beverages. And they are blocking his view of you entirely. What, what's his actual name? <laughs> I'm just curious. His, uh, <laughs> we left off with the first name Mel, last name Vin. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> Mel <laughs> Melvin. How about I'm uh Joseph's gonna call him Greg or something. <laughs> That's what he's gonna call him. I think Joseph watches just for a bit. He probably turned around slowly to see Gopher walk in and is now just inspecting him, but he's not making any efforts to hide himself. He's just gonna watch. Sure. Um, yeah, he walks behind like this, what I imagine is like a bar with some like vending machines behind it, which, you know, because you're a pilot now are free. You just scan your ID and you get any drink. Isn't that nice? Um, and, you know, he kind of like does a deep private side to himself and takes out a little key, opens up the vending machine and starts restocking it with these soft drinks and like beers and space beers and all those things. And like he's kind of mumbling to himself and you. You get the impression he's not happy to be doing this. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get up, uh, creep over to him without making a sound using my infiltrator background. I'm going to put a hand on his shoulder and say, need any help with that? When you put your <laughs> big, scary metal hand on his shoulder, <laughs> um, he jumps suddenly. He knocks over a crate of these drinks. A few like fall to the ground and like, shatter, and he like skitters back. Uh, a little bit, and he sees you, and he's like, oh my, oh my god, G- Jesus, Ma- man, how, wh- what are you doing here? I didn't mean to frighten you, Greg. Um, are you doing your daily rounds? Uh, my name's not Greg. First, Well, for- I don't want to call you Gopher. It is a nickname. You can call me Mel. That's my name, name. Mel, okay. Uh, I, the the guy who used to refill the vending machines, I think he was a janitor. He got um sent home because of the budget problems. So it's my job now, I guess, to refill the vending machines. And he, you know, gestures defeatedly at the vending machines and the now broken bottles on the ground. Joseph's gonna start picking up the broken bottles on the ground as he's saying seems that they have you doing a lot around here yeah i guess that's why they call me a runner and he gives a little nervous laugh and he's <laughs> he looks at you and he's like why why are you here were you were you here when i got here yes i was just playing with the chess machine over there and joseph points to it oh yeah I guess you don't really need to, like, sleep or anything, so you can kind of just stay up all night playing games or whatever. Yes, gives me a lot of time to test things. And he winks. Test, test things? Yes, like my strategies through the chessboard. You play chess, don't you, Mel? Um, you know, I, I've played before. I'm not particularly good at it, but I think the one we have is pretty cool. You know, they, like, shoot. They sure do. It's like a little image of what we go out and do every day. That is why I like to play with it. feel like I get stronger every time I win. If you were going to be a piece, what piece would you be? Joseph, um, he rubs his, his chin. He thinks for a bit. And he says, I think I would be best placed as the king. Huh. I wouldn't have guessed that. And you, Mel? Who would you be? Well, 
if I'm being realistic with you, it seems like I'm a pawn. Really? They don't really send any other uh, pieces, I guess, so to speak, in this metaphor to restock vending machines or bring people snacks. Well, you can't have an army without the pawns, and they are the first line of defense. Typically, they're the ones who get everything done around here. And he points to the vending machine. Just like you, Mel. He he looks at you. And he's like, okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, someone's got to do it, right? Surely, someone must do it. All right, I'm going to finish this up. Uh, wait, you're Mirage, right? You can call me Joseph instead. Joseph? Wow, I didn't expect such a, I guess, classical name for an emergent personality. I, I respect that. Good on you. Thank you. Um, classical? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's like a, an old-fashioned name. And what is Mel? Well, I don't know. My parents named it. I don't really look it up. But I think it means something. Hmm. Sounds new-fashioned to me. And he winks. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, have fun with your uh, chess game. I'm going to just finish this up and head out. Do you, do you need help? No. I can continue helping you if you need. No, no, it's fine. Um, you know, you're busy. I'm busy. I'll see you around. I'll see you in the hangar. Um, you know. Of course. See you later, Mel. Following your first operation as a pilot, your co-worker or ex-co-worker, Glint, reaches out to you to get some lunch. But he wants you to choose the lunch spot. He's being very deferential. <laughs> okay. Is he asking me over email verbally? Like, what's what's going on here? Um, I, guess, I would guess it's some sort of future email situation. All right. Maybe some stuff hasn't changed. Well... Harold just quickly provides a spot, maybe the local canteen, and uh, a time. So he goes to see Glint. Yeah, so you're taking Glint to the, like, are you talking about the canteen, like, in the pilot division? Uh, just whatever's that he'd have access to, if that makes sense. I don't want to... So, so you have that, and then there are also, like, you know, cafes and other lunch spots, like, outside of the base. Um, that have started to come back now. Like, there's actually okay. some pretty no, decent if, dining options. If uh, eating off base is a realistic option for Hex over here, he's gonna go take his former intern out for coffee, so to speak. Awesome. So you go to some clusterous, well, not clusterous, but oh fuck, you know, I, I knew I made cuisine. the wrong choice. <laughs> I knew it. Um, <laughs> uh, which I think they eat a lot of seafood on this planet because they have a lot of rivers. Probably a spot like that. You might even be able to get shrimp. You like shrimp? Fuck, I love those. They're tasty, good in a cocktail, and in a fish tank. So you guys get a nice seat outside on the patio. You get a good view of, let's say, the, the Brea City Financial District. Um, <laughs> you really set me up for something. <laughs> I, I know. When the peacekeepers first liberated the city, this place was kind of dead. Nobody wanted to go outside, you know, considering the streets were an active war zone. 
But now things mm-hmm. are kind of getting stable again, you know, with the city being separated and under peacekeeper control, there are actually civilians wandering the street who are wary but willing to, like, shop and resume activities and actually go to a restaurant. The waiter comes over to take your food and drink orders. Um, you know, you've just sat down, like, you've hardly been able to even say anything, and Glint orders, I think, what equates to, like, a shrimp sandwich. What about you? Uh, Hex isn't too hungry. He just gets the coffee. Oh, that's such a burn. If if you did that to me, I'd be so pissed. <laughs> hey, he's not hungry. He's he's not hungry. Not hungry. Um, yeah, Glint speaks up. Harold, it's it's so good to see you. Uh, you it kind of left so suddenly. Yeah, I mean, duty called. It's nice of you to reach out again. Curious, what do you want to talk about today? It's nice seeing you, though. I just um. I don't know, I wanted to, to talk about your situation. Everyone's been talking about you at the office. Uh, you know, like, why, why'd you leave? It, it's unheard of. Well, I'm glad to hear I missed, but I figure uh, my time is better spent here than, what did you, how did you put it? Double-checking uh, computers? Uh, you have a point there. I think there. it's a good use of my skills. Have you been, like... Fighting? Um, can't talk about things, but uh, have hasn't you, have hasn't you killed someone? What the fuck, Lint? <laughs> I, I, sorry, I. Uh, it's just you know. I mean, have you? Listen, Glint, we do what we have to. You should know what pilots sign up for. God, I. Wow, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think. It's just you know. It's you, Harold. It's you. I mean. Come on, this is this is crazy, right? Is that all you wanted out of this meal? <laughs> to find no, out? No, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I mean, it's X is kind of angrily sipping at his coffee, but he's he's not letting it stop him. He's he's kind of thirsty. It's it's good to catch up. I just you know I think I was worried more than anything. I'll be yeah. fine. You've all people should know that. I I guess they made me take over all your duties. You know, same pay, twice the duties. They say that they don't even need to fill your role because of the budget crisis, but they're also forcing us to go over all of our assets in a bid to find supplies that aren't there. I'm going crazy. You know, I'm I'm one more two-hour conference from joining the pilots myself. It's typical of them to do. Sorry to hear you're having to deal with that, but, I mean, if you stick around, it could be good for you. You want to be a pilot, though? I don't, I don't know. I mean, is it fun? I don't know if I'd call it fun. I'm here for a reason. What would yours be? Uh, uh better benefits, maybe? <laughs> you should do some thinking. <laughs> he kind of, like, looks down at his shrimp sandwich, takes a bite out of it. He says, and he, he looks up, and there's, like, some hubbub behind you. And he says, holy shit, is that the general? I didn't even know he went outside the base, like, ever. And sure enough, you see General Wave, who is the highest-ranking military official on the planet, sitting down in this cafe uh, with only, like, a couple bodyguards near him and followed by a lot of cameras taking pictures of him as he sits down. Well, Hex raises an eyebrow, but looks unaffected. That's... Wow, I guess he is here. That's nuts. Is this, like... Are they trying to, like prove something well 
you you should also know that optics matter. Now it's a safe city. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know if it feels safe to me quite yet. Um, but whatever, let's talk about happier things. And he starts telling you all about his dog. <laughs> Ooh, what's his dog's name? His dog's name is Little Bippo. L-I-T-T-L-E space B-I-P-P-O. Hex lights up at this. He he warms up. Yeah, everyone likes Little Bippo more than Glint in the office. This is just common knowledge. Does he have pictures of Little Bippo? Oh yeah. He's got all sorts of pictures. Fuck yeah. Little Bippo just got brand new skin. <laughs> and he's showing the wow. great brand new skin. He looks so young. He looks he looks like a puppy again, Glint says. <laughs>